everyone, and uh, welcome back to Probably Nothing podcast with myself, AG, and uh, Dark Forest Capital. We wanted to do this episode to talk a little bit about what's happening in the, in, in the markets and carnage that we're seeing, and uh, hopefully kind of share some of our thoughts of, uh, on, on how we think this might play out. So yeah, let's... Uh, Let's get into this, but before we dive in, Dark Forest, how, how are things? How are you doing? I know you moved uh, this weekend. How How's that? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, move is all completed. It's probably a good time to do it because it kind of kept me away from what was going on in the crypto markets. Um, but yeah, life's good. And uh, I've, I've made the move over to Cambridge now for anyone that knows the UK. Uh, probably most famous for its university. Um, but yeah, it seems like a nice place. So hopefully settle in here and see how that goes. But yeah, uh, in terms of crypto, I've definitely been better. <laughs> Things are not amazing right now. And even as somebody who sold into stables like late last year, some of my allocation, uh, I still feel like the last month and in particular the last week has been very painful indeed. So... I know obviously you and I had a chat before this and like a mini thesis meeting as we often do and try to talk through how this is all going to unravel uh, over the next few months. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of saw it, didn't see it coming this way, but was already going a little bit defensive late last year. Um, so it, it just remains to be seen how long we have this sort of uh, action and obviously being correlated with the, the sort of traditional finance and legacy markets and the wider macro environment means that um, right now there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw I saw a poll on, on Twitter a couple of days ago, I think, where someone was asking like how much of your how much of your portfolio was in was in stables and had like different options. And um, I had a look, I haven't like I haven't done the actual numbers on, on my portfolio, but I think that I was probably more than 50% in stables, probably maybe even 60%, and the rest was pretty much just ETH. So, you know, I, I, feel, I feel a little bit of like the urge to, to go shopping, but at the same time, I think the, like the macro is just not, is not favorable, and, and, and we still... We still need to see some of the things uh, play out. How about you? Like, are you sort of similar, 50, 60% stables, more, less? Well, the genius thing about everything else going down so much is that my allocation as a percentage in stables is going up all the time because everything else is worth so much less. So, uh, yeah, probably over 50% at this point. Um, but like you said, I think I'm not desperate to go looking for stuff we, we've had a look we've had a poke around but there's some things that we like the look of but uh, i don't think there's going to be any rush this time it feels to me and obviously i haven't been through this that many times but it feels a lot different to may where may was kind of a flash crash but i sort of expected it to come back and it and it sort of did um but this time around like i say i'm focusing on like the uncertainty that's spooked everything now because we don't know what the fed is going to do is 
borrowing of money going to become more expensive risk assets are obviously taking a hit right now i don't think we need to all go out and buy the dip like this week um, i think there's going to be plenty of time to figure out what you like and and go shopping so yeah that's kind of where i'm at, at the moment yeah yeah so i think you you're right it does feel different to to may i think in terms of like in may right it was the sell-off was very crypto specific um and i think there was you know there were a few events there you know we saw quite a lot of hype and and money and speculation we saw the china ban that sort of sent all the miners packing um so a few other things but it was it was very crypto specific like there was nothing else happening in the world that would change would change the math on this here right today it's very different so i think the way the way i look at it is that the sell-off is 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 macro driven and and like primarily macro driven right like we we spoke about how kind of there there's been a lot of hype going into the end of the year and and some of the valuations especially on the metaverse and, and gaming side of things were just insane and like teams and were raising at seed and pre-seed valuations that didn't make sense but i think if the macro didn't change that on its own wouldn't have sort of mattered and so on the macro side right what we have and and really the the main concern the main thing to look at is the inflation numbers right so uh inflation in the us uh i think hit seven percent uh last month and that's um that's really a big problem and it's political suicide for biden and, and for the democrats in the us um i think the uh, inflation from from like the political perspective is actually worse than significant sort of stock market crash uh, as well as recession so it's like worse for a political party to see this high inflation and for people to be worried about inflation than it is you know to be in in a recessionary uh, environment so that's that's a big deal right and that gives uh, sort of the federal reserve a lot of political cover to to really crack down here and and i think that's what, what what's driving what's driving the sell off right um, this expectation that the fed is going to is going to hike rates um, three four times this year and going to stop uh, quantitative phasing uh, QE and and then going to start uh, to to tighten, and so that is obviously driving money out of uh, sort of risk risk assets of, of which crypto is one, right? And and I think like as a really interesting example of of that is if you look at performance of uh, Bitcoin against the the ARC fund, right? It's basically the same over the last months or so. It's like more or less perfectly correlated. So it, it you know, it shows quite clearly that crypto assets are very much viewed like um, like tech. 
like this sort of innovative, uh, experimental in, in some ways technology. And, and if we're going to be in a, in a environment where the Fed is going to, is going to be hawkish, um, we, we do have a problem. And, and sort of, we talked about this earlier today, some of the valuations are still quite crazy. So hard, hard to see kind of uh, an immediate reversal on this. And it, it, the way I see it, it's sort of a lot of it depends on inflation and, and where we are. And inflation expectations are, you know, for this elevated level, maybe not 7%, but somewhere around 4% for the rest of the year, which uh, would be quite challenging. And so, yeah, I think very much macro-driven here. It's funny, isn't it? Because if we're, we're told that if there's runaway inflation that you want to hold scarce assets, and in crypto, that's Bitcoin and ETH. Um, and then if the Federal Reserve steps in to curb inflation by raising rates, then obviously that's what we're seeing the result of now. Um, and th there's like market-wide uncertainty and panic. But then <clears throat> if they're successful and inflation comes back down, then we go back into a like cheap borrowing of money environment. And again, you want to be holding like risk assets like BTC and ETH. So I've seen Raoul Powell talk about it in much more uh, intellectual terms than that. But Basically, where else are you going to go? Like, I, I still feel, although this is miserable and short term, it, it doesn't feel good. Um, on a, any time scale that's beyond six months, uh, and I have to credit Arthur Hayes for absolutely nailing this with all of his blog posts, uh, and especially his recent one. But where else are you going to go? Uh, I think crypto still has the, the highest growth potential out of all of the asset classes. Um, we're, you know, we're seeing people build all sorts of cool shit here. Regulators are eventually going to clarify one way or another how they're going to treat it. And I think um, unless it's really extreme, that, that's got to be a bullish event as well. Like we saw Jerome Powell speak relatively amenably about stable coins and their position alongside a central bank digital currency. So all of these trends, I think, still point to, you know, it's going to be here in one or two years and prices is likely to recover and, and continue its march higher. So, yeah, I have to tell myself this because uh, otherwise I'll just give up completely. But <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. Is it's not a case of like if something happens, then we've made the wrong choice to kind of be in crypto and hold crypto assets. I think regardless of the outcome, uh, it's the right place to be, and we just have to weather this uh, this time in between where. You know, we are correlated to everything else. There's a lot of stuff that is much bigger than ourselves that, that's going to be, you know, spooking the market. And um, it's just a case of trying to sit it out and position yourself so that you can survive. I mean, Kobe, if anybody follows Kobe on Twitter, he's the Up Only podcast guy. He absolutely nails it. And he has been saying the same thing for probably the last year where it's like you've got to survive in crypto and it's no good being a genius in a bull market and then like watching your net worth just evaporate. You've got to take profit at some point and, and be there for the next cycle. And that's how you build the kind of wealth that means that, you know, you can do whatever you want in life because it's repeatedly making it through these cycles is how you're going to make it. So, yeah, that 
that is kind of yeah that's all really uh, i can say on this i i think the forces involved are much bigger than ourselves so for those of us who are here the long term we, we just got to knuckle down and, and get through the next few months i think yeah i i think the argument of like where else are you going to go makes sense in some ways uh mainly for me from the perspective of like fed tightening and, and tight monetary conditions that's not something that is going to work long term right the way i see it it's basically at, at this time right fed has political cover to do this but they won't forever right if this or I think Nasdaq is already down like fifteen percent uh, since since its highs. Um, so you know we see fifteen thirty percent whatever, um, and that becomes that becomes problematic to to a certain point. And, and also, if we think about uh, some of the longer term uh, inflation drivers, and you know Kathy Wood talks about this extensively. A lot of the long-term drivers are deflationary. Like the impact of uh, technology and innovation is deflationary. The the demographics are in, are deflationary. Um, I think some of the supply chain issues that that we see should go away eventually. So I think long-term the trend is is deflationary, and you know once we sort of get over. Perhaps this this hurdle of seven percent, which you know is caused by sort of the pandemic, the and 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 fiscal stimulus, not necessarily monetary stimulus. Like we've seen zero rates for almost a decade now, and, and very easy monetary conditions, but we've seen no inflation until until twenty twenty one. In fact, you know the central bankers everywhere uh, in the world, Japan, EU, UK, US, were struggling to get inflation to 2%, which was their target, right? Like we've been on the 2% for, for a very long time. So, and that's despite, you know, very accommodative monetary policy. So it, it seems to me that like we, we, we've come to this point where fighting inflation is like has become very urgent and the fed has a political cover to do this and so they're going to go um they're going to go aggressive but outside of that right like that's like a relatively short term macro situation but i think in the long term uh the macro still dictates uh lower rates and and if we have lower rates if we you know if we go back to zero uh, probably will. Um, that's it. You're going back into tech, and you're going back into into crypto. So, I think we are we are going to end up there. And then on like a little bit of a bigger picture, what you were talking about, where you know um, we'll get regulation in crypto still the future. There are some things that are are sort of um, the value where where valuations are becoming more interesting right and, and so um some stuff in DeFi is is getting pretty cheap it's getting pretty interesting i think DeFi is further um like more advanced in terms of adoption than for example uh 
some of the metaverse gaming projects, right? And and so we look at Ave Compound, um, Ave, you know, working with institutions uh, through their art product and Compound building their own chain. Like these are not going anywhere, and and they're generating solid solid revenue. So I think there's going to be sort of interesting opportunities uh, to to go back into DeFi. And, and I've seen a lot of people sort of talk about it, that like 2022 is going to be year of DeFi. And yeah, there's, there's, I think it's, it's warranted to a certain extent. I think these businesses are sort of quite proven. The token models are proven and they are generating actual revenues uh, compared to some of the sort of gaming and metaverse projects that are still very early. And if we focus in a little bit more specifically then, because otherwise we'll be competing with Real Vision to, uh, to have the best macro show on, or best macro podcast in existence. But relating to the metaverse, um, one thing that we've both spotted is how NFTs have reacted recently. And we've seen them increase in price in ETH terms, which is quite interesting. Uh, I was having a look through the Board 8 collection and punks as well because i've noticed anecdotally on my timeline people stepping in and announcing that they've picked up uh, crypto punks so yeah just just looking at the activity figures on OpenSea, you can see some volume has come in recently board apes looks really good like the the average sale price is just up and to the right uh, over the last few months and we've we've seen that project flip crypto punks in terms of the price floor um, but yeah across the board if you've been in a decent NFT project, you know, with a team that's delivering, building, has a bit of a roadmap, you know, has a community, they're doing maybe something a bit interesting or unique, the, you'll have likely seen the price of your NFTs go up uh, in ETH terms. So the question then becomes, if you were willing to sell those, would you, if, if you've seen them go up in ETH terms now, is this actually like buying the dip on ETH if you sell your NFT for, for ETH, if you're still bullish on it for the rest of the year? Maybe that's a good trade to make. I don't know what you think about that. So I think it's it's really interesting, right? Because, um, like you said, a lot of a lot of collections are going up. Um, and and just speaking from like the, the personal sort of portfolio, like Boss Beauties, Robotos, um, a lot of these things are going up. And, and yeah, like sure, team the teams are are great and are delivering. But it's fascinating that in the market where ETH is down more than 40% from uh, the all-time high, uh, these ones are, are hitting all-time highs. And, and that's across the board. So, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, I wonder if it has something to do with how people view NFTs, right? Like, because... For example, earlier today, right, we looked at uh, valuations of like some of the projects and like Luvia, Maxi, whatnot. Um, and we can look at the token and, and see the valuation, right? And we can be like, oh, like it's it's too much, right? The valuation is too high, or like at this price, it would be interesting. No one does that with with NFTs, as as far as as far as I know. Like I know I don't, um, and it's. Um, so, so perhaps there are there are different drivers. Perhaps they're not uh, looked at purely from like the investment perspective, because it's also like 
shopping for an NFT, right? If you're like learning about a particular project and then looking at NFTs in that collection and looking to buy one, it's just like way more fun than looking at a token, right? And like, there's more, I guess there's more community. There's more excitement around like roadmap and maybe there's going to be like uh, a second collection that you're going to get airdropped or maybe there's going to be like a token that's going to be released that's going to allow like breeding or some other mechanics. It's just, it's just more fun. And so I wonder if people are seeing this sell-off in ETH and they're like, well, maybe like, maybe NFTs are... Uh, are a hedge. Maybe NFTs are like a store of value, right? <laughs> Maybe there is some uh, some fundamental value in some of these NFTs, um, some utility. So I think there is some of that. Uh, and, and I think also what this action actually tells me is that there is a lot of demand for NFTs and there is still not enough supply of high quality projects. If you think about um, a lot of the sort of these, these gaming um, NFTs, right? Where, whether they're like DG wearables or whether they're like um, racing horses for, uh, for like D-Race or um, whether they're like, um, legions for, for magic or orcs or uh, the wolves and sheeps for the wolf game. Like all of those things are up and up significantly because um, there is not enough of them, right? There is like a limited amount. And then there is uh, like, there is like a, a drip of additional supply. But in the meantime, the, the existing holders are generating income from these things, right? So um, I, think, I think there is, there is also this imbalance between demand and, and supply uh, for sort of high-quality income utility generating um, NFTs. Yeah, I I think you've made some good points there. I think part of it is um, viewing NFT price in US dollars still. So if your ETH price is going down, two ETH is worth less than it was in dollars two weeks ago. Um, I think that has some effect on the market and, and the way that people view them is still like dollar denominated. But I tend to agree. Uh, and I'm wondering if maybe with the market, down and like no narratives to chase and because that's part of the excitement of speculating in crypto when that all goes away what you actually want to be looking for is nft projects that like you say are coming out with dynamics that that work that mean you can play to earn or delegate to earn um such as with the wearables and then it becomes a hunt for like these scarce assets that actually are going to deliver you some kind of value in, in this environment so that's what people go looking for. Um, it's hard to know for sure. And I posted a question in the Discord the other day. I don't know if you saw it actually, but I wanted to ask you next time we did one of these podcasts was I'm trying to think about how CryptoPunks um, will act compared to other projects that came after them. 
And I've been trying to analogize between like, are they more like um, classic pieces of art or are they like uh, fashion or is it more like classic cars? Like there's so many different ways that you can look at them. But I'm just wondering, because obviously they had, they basically kicked off the NFT uh, bull market last year. CryptoPunks just went, like the, the floor just went up, they got eaten up. And then they came back down and Bored Apes flipped them. But I wonder, does Bored Apes, does, does something like Bored Ape Yacht Club have the staying power? And does it have the sort of like history and that historical importance that CryptoPunks does? So will CryptoPunks over time hold a better value, like a better floor or a more stable floor and therefore be a better investment? And it came about because I was thinking NFT... NFTs essentially at their base are a technology, you know, it's just a token standard on the Ethereum blockchain. So they can be evolved, they can be uh, incorporated into other things as we've seen with our favorite Aletheia and the combination of artificial intelligence and NFTs. So if they act like a technology, then surely that means early ones that are just basically uh, 24 by 24 pixel images on the blockchain will be obsolete and defunct. And therefore, do they lose their price? Or is it like a classic piece of art, like a Van Gogh or a Mark Rothko or, you know, whatever it might be, that it holds its value because it was genre defining and it was one of the first. And there will always be like a perpetual bid because people want to hold that that piece of history. So I'd be interested to hear how you think about it. And if you've if you've thought about it along those lines at all, really. I don't know art history. I don't. I don't know different eras of art and and so on. Like, but the way I see it is, they they are they are art, the new form of art, right? Which is crypto art, and you're gonna have different eras of of art. Right? But it doesn't mean that you can have a defining collection, defining art of each era. Right, like you can have a defining collection of or, or defining artists of like the 13th century and 14th century and 15th century and so on. So, I think that's, I think that's that's how I look at it. I don't I don't look at them as uh, technology. I think I look at them more as as an art as as art. Um, I think you're gonna have new collections, sort of, come up and and become, sort of emblematic of, of, of that particular era. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crypto. So that era might be like six months or 12 months period or this particular bull market or, or whatnot. But I think that there is sort of plenty of room for, for several collections to, to sort of reach those, those peaks. I think a lot of it also depends on IP, right. And, and, Growing the story around those uh, around those collections, around those art pieces. Yeah. So I guess the the interest for me comes from if you imagine Nike Air Jordans, like when they came out, and I'm going to get this totally wrong, but I guess they were like early '90s. Uh, then nobody really cared about them for a long time after that. Like they were cool at the time. But around the early 2000s, maybe, you know, who, who was interested in buying Air Jordans? And then sneakerheads came around and like collecting retro sneakers became a thing. 
and now they'll have a massive premium on them. So I'm what I'm interested to see is how do NFTs react? And because everything happens so quickly, you know, we don't have that that much time to go on. Like even CryptoPunks, CryptoKitties, they've been around for a few years and this is the first real hype cycle that they've seen. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to think about like, does something like CryptoPunks hold a level that everything else doesn't see? Because Board Ape Yacht Club is more like a fashion brand that they have to really work to stay relevant. They have to have new things. They have to have derivatives. Um, in the same way that, you know, you'll buy a handbag one season and then by the next season it's, it's out of fashion. You can always buy like classic handbag designs or classic coat designs or, you know, classic um, fashion. And, and that by very definition, like holds its, hold its, its class and its desire over time. What I'm trying to figure out is does something like Board 8 come along as a flex? Everybody shows it off for a while. Serena Williams changes her profile picture to, um, you know, whatever it is, Board 8. And then six months later, everybody's forgotten about it because the next thing has come along. And that's, that's what I, yeah, it, it excites me to like figure that out and see that happen because mainly because I don't have uh, exposure to it. So <laughs> if stuff does drop by 90%, it doesn't really affect me. Um, but as a as a wider like renaissance that we're seeing, maybe we look back on this period as like the profile picture period, whereas previously there's been like cubism or whatever. This is just another form of art that becomes really popular. Um, but then looking at how the different things react within that it is what's really interesting. So yeah, just food for thought really. Uh, we're not going to get any answers for a few years at least. Yeah, I think it's it's hard for me to see something that reaches the the height of um board apes sort of calm down from it significantly right and uh, i think part of it is lindy right um another part is do people and i think the answer is yes here but like do people who buy board apes identify with them right do they see board apes as their as their personality as as their representation in the digital world and if they do then i was going to sell that shit um and uh, perhaps perhaps there are some collection that you can view more through like the media the media angle where it's like a it's like a media brand it's not fashion per se but it's it's so it, it's kind of like its own media enterprise, and that's where you get into the IP and the comics and and uh, collaborations with you know studios and Marvel and whatnot. And I think once these collections reach that point, it's it just the mode becomes um, too wide, uh, kind of the way. The way I see it, uh, but the question is like, where at which point is that escape velocity, right? Like, um, and how many projects can realistically reach it? Yeah, so it, it'll definitely be sort of an interesting uh, market, interesting situation to uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I was going to say escape velocity, and um, you took the words out of my mouth. So things like. Um, Serena Williams 
changing her profile picture to a board ape, like that is mainstream adoption right there. Because I can guarantee you she doesn't know very much about the Ethereum blockchain. So then again, it, it that's another dynamic. It's like CryptoPunks maybe only really serve as a flex to other crypto people because they're aware of their um you know their historical significance so these brands that are now coming out of crypto are making it in the mainstream and that possibly gives them the, the staying power to to survive for a long time and there's no reason that they couldn't act in the same way that like fashion brands do where the original collection becomes diluted with other things over time but it still holds that you know that's the pinnacle that's the og um so it has a, a has a premium for that reason uh but yeah that that's well it's a question for the future like i say i'm not going to figure it out in the next six or 12 months but it's, it's something that i'm looking for at the moment yeah yeah absolutely um let's chat about a little bit about like some of the maybe some of the tokens that we're watching some of the things that um perhaps we'd like to get into obviously i think we're both waiting for lower prices and like personally it wouldn't surprise me if things some things go down like another 50 percent from here but yeah what what are you what are you watching and, and what's on your kind of shopping list? I don't really have anything original to say here. Um, certainly anyone that's listened to the podcast before will have heard me talk about Illuvium very favorably. Um, I know that you still think that it's overvalued and I, I tend to agree, to be honest, but it is something that I would like to, to get into um, and, and pick up some tokens. I've got some set aside for playing the game when it launches. But I think given the way that prices are going now, how far it's coming off of all-time highs, and the fact that they still haven't launched a game, um, certainly as a trade rather than a long-term investment, I can see it being a potential uh, in the next few months. So there's some unlocks coming up um, starting in March, I think. So there's uh, the, the core team have relocked, but... Investors and some of the wider team, I think, uh, have some unlocks coming. Um, so I think if we're still in this sort of environment where, you know, things aren't going the way of risk assets and, and there is still, um, you know, uncertainty in the markets, then I would be looking at Illuvium as something that uh, could be undervalued. And again, it, like, it depends when they launch as well. So I'd have to see like a confluence of factors where there's delays Everybody gets fed up. Like the community are like, come on, it's been long enough now. The markets look like crap. Um, and then it gets massively undervalued. And it's, you know, FTV is below two, three billion. Um, because for a trade, the way that I look at it anyway, this is not a long-term investment. So it would be like this confluence of factors occurs, price looks good, I get in, thinking that launch is going to be, you know, sometime shortly thereafter. And that's when the hype comes and that's when I would be looking to then exit. So it wouldn't be a long-term thing, but that's how I'd look at it. Um, and it's only if all of those things happen that it would be worth doing. Because if it just trundles along now and then they're like, 
March comes, the unlocks happen, but they launch the game like two weeks later. I don't think there's going to be an opportunity there. So a number of things have to happen for that opportunity to present itself. So that's the first thing that I'd be looking for. Um, and then just quickly on like a slightly more boring but obvious side, Ethereum. This is everything we talk about because we're <laughs> short-sighted. is built on Ethereum. Um, but uh, long term, I still think it's got the best chance of becoming a global settlement layer. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of wavering on should I increase my exposure to ETH a little bit more. The merge is coming up. I'm not sure how many people understand it. With Ethereum, a lot of uh, certainly recently, like the upgrades and improvements haven't been priced in until after they've occurred. So there is definitely potential for some upside with the merge going successfully. Um, and if we start to see some real traction on L2s as well, that's just going to add fuel to the fire. So uh, ETH would be something else that I'm looking at. And uh, on ETH, right, what, what level, is there a level that you're looking at? I think uh, for me, I was sort of thinking that perhaps a 60% drawdown from all-time high is somewhat reasonable in in this environment. I'm sure we can overshoot, which which sort of puts us uh, at about like 1,800 and 1,900. Is that is there a level that you're watching on, on ETH? Not specifically. I think if it just gets really painful, then I'll just... I'll just buy some. What I've done stupidly is put my some of my stables into a ribbon put selling vault. So I'm kind of still long ETH, or I'm still expressing like a bullish sentiment towards ETH, and now it's going down. So my USD is getting eaten alive because currently well in the money for the for the put um, strike price for this week at least. So uh, yeah, I've made a bit of a um, a rookie error there. Uh, so in terms of the actual price that I'm looking for, I don't know. I'm still like heavily long a lot of ETH and even my stables are technically long ETH. So um, I'm probably already overexposed, but it's just if we're moving stuff around and, and I think, yeah, you know, there's a bit of, bit of spare cash from somewhere, then, you know, maybe I'll pick up a, a few percent of, of net worth in ETH just to just to hold some liquid liquid tokens ready to sell if there's a pump, basically. So anything below 2K, I think, yeah, I'd probably probably pay pretty close attention at, at those levels. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I think uh, for me, there is, it's interesting, right? Because I think, I don't know about you, but I certainly haven't paid too much attention to, to DeFi over the last maybe four or five months. And, and you look at like DPI at 140, it it seems like there could be an opportunity there, um, perhaps in you know your your DeFi blue chips, but I don't really follow that space too well. Um, I think on like the the gaming side, metaverse side as well, uh, there are a few things that that are becoming interesting. But first, I think it's important to sort of maybe run through some of the valuations like Axie Infinity, right? We talked about earlier uh, today, the fully diluted is still 12 billion, which is quite insane. If, if you ask me, um, especially like, 
I, I can see it as if, you know, the, the Ronin blockchain and the DEX and the game and the third-party games that are going to be built on, on Ronin, if it all was going to accrue to the Axie token, then I could see 12 billion and be like, okay, maybe. But for just the game, I think that's really rich. So not looking at that um, at, at 50 bucks is still too high. Illuvium, like you said, I think fully diluted is still above 5 billion. Sandbox, I think is over eight. Yield Guild, over two. Yeah, so those are those are still way too high for me. That's where I'm saying if we see a 50% from here, it sounds reasonable. Even though, right, most of those are down 70, 80% from, from all-time highs. So, but yeah, I think there is, there is more room, uh, more room there. In terms of what is starting to look interesting, I think Decentral Games is, is one. I think Fully Diluted is like 250 million maybe. Just uh, checking it now. Yeah, 270. And they're doing incredibly well. I think the team is um, executing on, on the play to earn poker. I think there are other things that they're working on. Um, so really quite bullish on that. You can stake your DG and I believe you get a cut of, um, of the revenue. So that one is, is interesting. I think super rare here is is interesting as well. I think fully diluted is about four hundred mil, and uh, one of the bigger thesis on that one is a potential acquisition from one of the major auction houses, like Christie's, uh, which is possible. But at four hundred mil, I mean, yeah, they're not a generalized marketplace like uh, OpenSea, but they're going to be very successful curated art experience and 400 mil fully diluted seems really cheap for that. So definitely watching that. I think Cypher, right, is another one we talk about. Vision is in, in some ways, I think, similar to Luvium. I think they're maybe three to five months, I would say, behind what in, in terms of what, what what they're doing but the vision is pretty similar the team sizes are pretty similar uh, both got funding you know it's it's kind of like it's a a bit of a relative value play right like cypher fully diluted is 500 million illuvium is 5 billion so i think that's that's quite interesting here um as well so I think those are maybe some that I'm looking at. I think, you know, we as MetaPortal are getting a portion of our revenue in MVI. So I think having that as sort of a broad exposure to the space is, is also quite okay at these levels. Yeah, so I think that's sort of a little bit of my shopping list. And I, I keep looking at... You know some of the NFT collections um, because I think a lot of games are coming out from uh, 
OpenSea, right? Not not OpenSea itself, but you sort of you get exposure to a game through OpenSea, not through buying a token. And and I think that is is very new and it's very freaking confusing. But definitely trying to um, trying to catch up on that. Cool. Yeah. Well, let this be the record of uh, what we were looking at in January, and maybe we can look back on it in six or twelve months and see how it all turned out. Um, I, I personally wouldn't be looking at DeFi until there's more regulatory clarity. Like it's it's a narrative that's made the jump into mainstream lingo. And so regulators have looked at it, they've written papers on it, they've, you know, if you look at the SEC, all the way from Gary to Hester, um, they have different viewpoints on it. But I think that is the area that would come under or or is coming under scrutiny first. And so for me, those tokens are not going to go anywhere uh, and the hot ball of money is not going to return to them until there is some clarity on what you can and can't do with a governance token, um, whether it's subject to certain laws in certain countries, um, mainly the US. I, th- I think that has to come first and then they can see a uh, yeah renewed interest. There could be like a sort of value bid there, things like Wi-Fi, um, anything that turns over a profit. And with Wi-Fi, like updating their tokenomics to, to redistribute to governance token stakers um, that's what you kind of need i think to get the emergence of any kind of rally in that sector um yeah that's, that's just the way that i see it so it's going to be tough for, for DeFi, i think over the next year all right well let's see let's see how it plays out um anything else on your mind anything else you want to chat about uh no not really hopefully not too much of a, a miserable um, podcast today. I think we try and put a fairly objective slant on it. So, obviously, at Meta Portal, we're still here. Discord is open for business. Come and say good morning. Um, we're heads down, like trying to work on the, the gaming index that, that we're planning for. Um, so, yeah, it, it's times are tough, but th- these flushes are good, I think. There was a lot of no- there has been a lot of noise, a lot of madness, definitely since you and I jumped in uh, two years ago. Maybe it is just time we we took a few months to reflect and uh, yeah, settle down a little bit and build for the next leg up. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Well, I hope uh, yeah, I hope uh, you guys find some of this color helpful, and uh, you know, I think. You and I talked uh, earlier today about how um, some of these calls, not calls, but like the way we read the market or, or the way we see it hasn't been too far off um, so far and, and throughout sort of 2021. So hopefully we're getting this one roughly right, um, which is sort of, you know, is going to be, it's going to be a bit miserable and we sort of tied to the macro a little bit, but perhaps towards the second half of the year, um, uh, some of the things might, might turn in, in our direction, but you know, for the next few months, at least it's, it, it sort of could be, could be challenging. Cool. I guess we wrap it up there then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me. 
and uh, I speak to you guys later. Cheers, everyone.